Hello. You are listening to the Grieving Parents Sharing Hope podcast. We are here to walk with parents on their unwanted journey of child loss, guiding them to a place of hope, light, and purpose, not in spite of their child's death, but as a way to honor his or her life. And now, here is your host, author, speaker, and bereaved parent, Laura Deal. Hi. The day this podcast episode airs will be October 12th, 2021, and it will be the 10-year anniversary of my daughter Becca's departure from this earth. The beginning of the last 10 years held the most pain I have ever experienced in my life. I had no idea that kind of suffocating darkness even existed. It scared me because I did not know how I was going to find my way out of it. You may have heard me say, or you may have read in one of my books, that when Becca first died, I could hardly breathe, almost like I was having panic attacks when I would think of being here a year or two years or five years or 10 years without her here with me. And now here I am at the 10-year mark. So I thought today's episode could be about some of the things that I have learned in the last 10 years that I pray will help you in some way. So here we go. First of all, my view of Christianity and what our culture calls church has changed along with my relationship with God. Things that I have learned about who God is, about what church is, about the whole this whole thing, about God and my relationship with him. This is a big one, okay? I'm starting with a big one. And the things that God has done for me since Becca died are really something. One thing is that I have learned that going to church is not the same thing as church, I guess. Let me try and explain this. The way in the United States and in the Western culture we do church, I don't have to explain it to you. You know, we all go to a building Sunday morning, a certain time, the same day you know, of the week, and we all uh, come in, we sit down, and we face a platform, and, and we sing and worship together, and then we listen to a message while we're sitting in the chairs, and then we all go home. And Believe me, I am not bashing church. I was a pastor's kid. I grew up in church, and God has used the institution Sunday morning church services in mighty ways in my life. I'm I'm changed, and I am who I am because of that. But since Becca died, I have learned that there's more to it than that, and that church is fellowshipping with other believers, and it doesn't have to be a Sunday morning with a set group of people on a set time, you know, that that kind of a thing. And it has been wonderful for me personally to have that kind of freedom because I used to feel so guilty when I didn't do things right. If I wasn't a good enough Christian and I wasn't following what I knew the church expected of me, And I'm not in that place anymore. God has set me free from that, and I'm free to be the church organically. And I know for a lot of you listening, going to church, which that in and of itself is kind of a strange thing to say when you think about it, because we are the church. We know that. We are the church. And yet we talk about going to church. We'll ask someone, what church do you go to? And if we are the church, 
that just seems like a, a, a weird thing to, to ask or to say, talk about going to church when we are the church. So I know some of you have a really hard time with that for a lot of good reasons, valid reasons. Some of you are still plugged in to your place of fellowship because they're there for you. You're getting fed, you're getting nourished, you're getting what you need. And a whole nother group of you, you have found a different place of fellowship because it just wasn't working for you to stay where you were for a lot of different and valid reasons. And so I just wanted to say wherever you are in this, it's okay. It's okay. And if you are learning like I am, that there is more to church than just a Sunday morning service with, you know, that whole setting kind of a thing, it's okay because that is something that I have learned and it has greatly deepened and enhanced my intimate relationship with God. Hopefully I won't take this long on all of them. Let's go on to the second one. I'm going to go through 10 things like the title says. Another thing that I have learned is that my identity is more in him than ever before. Our identity is wrapped up in a lot of times the things that we do. So now my identity, I have learned, I mean, our children are part of our identity. And when that's cut off from us, we're so lost even if we still have other children, especially if you if you have lost your only child or all of your children, it's like, who am I without my child here now? And we have to figure all of that out now. Who am I? Our daughter, if you know our story, when she was three, she had her leg amputated and went through nine months of chemo because she was diagnosed with bone cancer, osteogenic sarcoma. And you know how we save things from our children. And I saved her first little prosthetic leg. It's very small. I don't know if you've heard it talked about before or compared to that having your child die is like having an amputation. A part of your very being has been cut off from you. And we have to figure out how to live with that part of, our, of ourselves missing. And it can be done, but that's part of our identity of who we are. And, you know, other parts of our identity, you know, I'm a, I'm a mom, I'm a grandma, I'm a wife, I'm a sister, I'm a daughter. Uh, I, my ministry, your ministry can become your identity. Your job can become your identity and all these things. And when those things are, are taken from us or pulled away from us or we find changes in life, it, it affects our identity. And something that I have learned after Becca died is how my identity truly is in him. I'm a daughter of God Almighty, and I can rest in that, and I can be secure in that. I thought I was before until Becca died, and that is something that I have learned is how to really, truly have my identity in him and nothing else. Another one that I have learned is that God really does leave the 99 to go find the one. We read about that in Matthew chapter 18 and Luke chapter 15. This is something that my husband brought up to me a few years ago, and it's kind of like what we do with our ministry with GPS Hope. It's like we leave the 99 to go find the one that is struggling, that is hurting, that is, you know, maybe away from the rest of the flock. And I have learned that God really does leave the 99 to go find the one. And that's us. A lot of times that's us in our place of darkness and woundedness and we're paralyzed and he really does come to find us as the one and it's so precious. Another thing 
Now, this is kind of a, a negative one, but it's definitely something I have learned is that my body changed. I went through a severe adrenal fatigue after Becca died, which turned into thyroid issues. I am still on a thyroid grain to help my thyroid. I like to do as much naturally as I can, so I found a, a, a homeopathic doctor our immune systems are compromised literally after the death of our child. And it's so hard when I hear about parents, especially moms, within that first year of their child leaving this earth, and then they find out they're diagnosed with cancer. And it's just, I, my heart just goes out to them, but our immune systems are literally compromised. Our lymph nodes or things happen to that. There are chemical changes in our brain they have studied. And for me, grief fog, oh my goodness, it is so real and we're so forgetful and information just literally leaves our brain. It's like there's nothing in there to even pull information from. And even 10 years later, I find that I, I used to have a, a real good memory. It was easy for me to memorize things and remember things. And I just don't hold on to things in my memory like I used to. I can forget information very quickly, forget names. I mean, I know we all struggle with that, but it's different now. I just really struggle to remember things that I should be remembering or knowing, things like that. So that is another thing that I've learned is that my body's different now. Another thing, number five, is that I have learned to get better at holding on to what is truly important and letting go of what is not important. And I think that might be a little obvious because once we get through that darkness and we begin to live a little bit more again, I mean, the, the precious things in life to us are even more precious now. There are a lot of things that used to be important to me. They're just not important anymore. It just gives such a different perspective on life now that I have. And here's another one. I have learned to like myself better now. I like who I am more now than before Becca died. And that might sound really strange to you, but it's true. It has changed me in ways that I'm different now. I'm not as short-tempered now. I'm a lot more mellow. I'm not now. I, I used to be like the Energizer Bunny. I thrived on chaos and pressure. I was a children's minister, so um, that should say a lot right there, high energy. And I'm just not anymore. And it used to really, really bother me. It used to bother me a lot. And now I'm not only okay with it, I like me because I just feel more relaxed now, more at rest now, more at peace now. Things that used to cause anxiety and turmoil, it's easier for me to either not let it cause it at all or to let it go sooner than I used to be able to. I just like myself better now. I like who I am and who I am becoming after Becca died. Okay, number seven. Here is something I learned that surprised me. I learned that a lot of people who were my friends before are no longer friends like they used to be. There's not the depth of relationship there used to be. And what I've learned is that that's very typical. People just don't get it. They don't understand us. They want to fix us. We can't be fixed. 
and you know they want to try to help us they want to pull us out and get us doing things help us forget about it help us to move on and when we don't they just quit calling they don't come over they don't check on us they just go on with their lives and we can feel very hurt and alone and isolated by that which is not a good thing but the good thing is god will bring new people into your life and a lot of times it's other perievers. If you haven't heard what a perievers, is, that's us. It's a parent who's been bereaved of their child. To be bereaved, the root would reeve, is to be torn, robbed, something taken violently from you. That's what the word reeve means. And so when you put that with the parent who's had their child torn, taken away from them, that's how I felt. So perever is a parent who's bereaved of their child. So you will probably find that God will begin to bring other perievers into your life. And that has been a very precious thing to me. Some of my best friends now are perievers. They live in other states. They live in other places. But I really do feel like I'm blessed and honored to be a part of this group of people because like me, we all learn to, we just look at life so differently now. And it's through the pain of losing our child, but the people that we eventually become were stronger in a different way. I can't really put words to it because we feel like we're not strong. But when we start coming out of this and we start living life again, there is a strength in us that other people don't have. And there's a compassion and there's, there's just so much depth and richness to a person who's living a life after the death of their child. And I, I really mean this with all of my heart. I really feel blessed and honored to be part of this very special group of people here on earth. So I'm guessing if you haven't learned by now, you may be in the process of learning that your friends may end up changing. Another thing that I have learned is that God is still in control, even if I don't like what's happening here on earth. I have learned that it's easier to trust God and to rest in Him and to, yeah, to just let go of the anger, let go of the frustration and the confusion, and to just really blindly trust Him. I know that's harder for some than others because they want answers, they want to analyze, they want to figure it out. We can't figure God out. We can't figure this world out. We're not going to be able to with our, with our finite human brains. And I've learned that it's easier to trust God than to fight Him, especially when I know that He is the Alpha and the Omega. He is the beginning and the end, and He has the final word on everything. Death isn't final. I know it feels like it, and I know we feel very cut off from our child, and we want them here with us, but it's not final. And I guess that kind of leads me into the next one, because another thing that I have learned is that, I guess, I don't know if you call it learned or not, but heaven's just more real to me now. Eternity is more real to me now. And I want to learn as much as I can about heaven. I want to learn as much as I can about where Becca is right now. And so I read books about heaven and, you know, I ask God about heaven and, and I imagine and picture Becca there in heaven and it's more real to me now. And I remember 
exactly a year after Becca had died, and I was talking with a friend that I don't see very often. It was actually at a children's ministry conference, and I had to admit to her, she's a pastor's wife, and I had to admit to my friend Jan, and I cried when I said it, that I was more excited to get to heaven to see Becca than to see Jesus, and I felt horrible about that. And she said the most precious thing to me. She said, but Laura, you've put a deposit there. And it was like, wow, it just made me feel okay that that's how I felt. Now, I it's taken me 10 years, and I've gotten to the point where I am just as excited to see Jesus as I am Becca. But I do believe that he understands that, that our heart's desire is to see our children like we want them front and center when we cross over it, because that's the first person we want to grab and give a huge hug to. I believe that God totally understands that. And one thing, God did confirm that to me. I don't have the verse in front of me, but I believe it's in Matthew somewhere where Jesus says, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Well, our children are some of the greatest treasures we have here on earth. So if we have one or more in heaven, of course, our heart is going to be with our treasure in heaven. And I've learned that that's okay. It's okay to have my heart in heaven like that with Becca. And number 10, I have learned how to make the enemy's plan to destroy me and take me out. I've learned how to make it backfire on him. Instead of destroying me, the enemy has caused me to draw closer to God. I I just, I know how desperately I need him now more than I ever did before. And I need God for strength. I need him for comfort. I need help. It's like I feel like I'm constantly crying out, God, help me. I need him. I'm, I'm fighting for joy more in my life than I ever did before Becca died. I need joy back in my life. I can't live this life without joy in my life. And, and that is a strength to us. And so I feel like I've just learned how to take death from the enemy and what he has caused to just turn it back on him and make him wish he had never caused this to happen in my life to my daughter. When I sat down to write 10 things that I've learned, I just started writing things and listing things so quickly that I easily went beyond 10. I'll just throw a couple more out here real quick. Another thing I've learned is that no matter how long it takes, there is no darkness that can permanently separate us from God and all that he is and everything that we need from him. I know at the beginning we feel like he's not there. I'm trying to talk to him. I tell him I need him and I'm not getting anything back. I'm not feeling his presence. I'm not hearing him say anything to me, but he's there. And just like Jesus, when he was on the cross and he was carrying the sins of the entire world, I just, I can't fathom that. And God did not abandon him. Jesus was quoting from a psalm from David when David was saying, my God, why have you forsaken me? David was in a dark place and he couldn't feel God's presence. He couldn't, it was like God wasn't there. And so Jesus was quoting David. God did not turn his back on his son. God did not abandon his son, but it was so dark that Jesus himself could not feel the father. And so we go through a place where it's so dark that we can't feel his presence and we can't hear his voice and we keep crying out to him. But I'm telling you, no matter how long it takes, 
I have learned that there is no darkness that can permanently separate us from God and his love and everything that he is for us. Another thing I've learned is that life can still be good and have meaning and purpose. And I have watched parents who've lost their only child or all of their children discover and learn that as well. And I also know there are those who have no children and even no spouse who have learned that, that life can still be good and it can still have meaning and purpose. And it's not in spite of your child's death, but it's because of his or her life. When I think about having a life of meaning and purpose, the fact is I would not be here with you today doing this podcast, doing it for the last two years if Becca had not been promoted 10 years ago. I would not be writing books that many of you have read. I met someone locally just this week that asked me, are you Laura Deal? And I said, yes. And she said, I have your book. It's on my nightstand. And she teared up and we hugged. I would not have written the songs that I have and made the CD. Dave and I would not be hosting weekend getaway retreats for bereaved parents. GPS Hope would not exist. I wouldn't be living in the Hope Mobile, traveling around the country to meet with and minister to shattered parents after the death of their child. There is meaning and purpose beyond the darkness and what you're going through right now. I thought about how I end each podcast by saying, hold on, pain eases, there is hope. And if you're like me, I used to hear the acronym for hope as hold on, pain ends. But that just isn't true for those of us who have lost a child. The first year Dave and I started traveling in the Hope Mobile, we met two ladies in Deltona, Florida, who have become very precious friends to us. Pat and Carol are the ones where I first heard the different acronym for the word hope, hold on, pain eases. And I loved it so much because it is something that I had been learning as true. And so I decided I wanted to end every podcast episode with this truth because honestly, it's one of the most important things I have learned these past 10 years to be able to pass on to you. Now, it's going to happen at different times for each one of us, but you can have hope. You can hold on because pain eases. Speaking of hold on pain eases, have you taken a look at what we have that I announced last week on the podcast? I know some of you have. You've been placing orders and soon you are going to have something you can wear as a reminder of this. We decided that we wanted to give you something that you could wear. So we have t-shirts, sweatshirts, hoodies, and more that are available. And they say, hold on, pain eases, there is hope. And it's to help have that reminder right in front of you. If you want to check it out, just go to gpshope.org and click on the store tab, the wearable items, and there's also a, a mug there, are under what we decided to call um, Hope Merchandise. You'll also see a place where you can check out my books and the CD if you're interested. Dave and I pull out this Saturday in the Hope Mobile to travel for the next six months, so please keep us in your prayers and let us know if you are in any of the areas I've mentioned the last couple weeks. I've also put in the weekly Word of Hope where we're going to be. We love to meet up with parents as we travel. If you're not getting the weekly Word of Hope and you'd like to join over a thousand other bereavers receiving it, all you have to do is go to gpshope.org hope. You just submit your name and email address and you'll start getting that. 
Let's go ahead and go to our birthday segment for this week. Mitchell Ang was born on October 12th and is forever 17. Isaac Kojo Karescu was born on October 14th and is forever 10. Bub Amos was born on October 16th and is forever 36. We celebrate the day that these children came into the world and into the lives of their families. We know it's an important day for all of us to continue celebrating the birthdays of our children. If you would like your son or daughter announced in our birthday segment, I would be happy to do that. All you have to do is go to gpshope.org slash birthdays. There's just a little form with the information we need. Just fill it out, submit it, and I will add your son or daughter to the birthday list. Any of the links that I have mentioned today can be found in the show notes to make it easy for you to just click on it and go where you want to go based on what I've shared. I am going to close this today by sharing something with you that very few people know about because it is a bit humbling to me. Now, Dave and I were part of a church discipleship program. It had three big sessions to it. It took two years to go through. It was a a deep study of the Word, but also the third section of it was taking everything we know about ourselves who God created us to be, and the talents that God has given us, the skills that we have developed, and the anointing that God places on each one of us that, you know, gets stronger in certain areas of our lives, and and taking the meaning of our name, and, and because our names mean something, and you know, that's spoken. Every time someone speaks your name, they're speaking something over you. And so just putting all of that together and coming up with a a life verse that just puts everything together about who God created you to be and your purpose here on earth. They end with an actual graduation ceremony and you stand up and you publicly declare your name and the meaning of your name and what God has given you as your purpose and the life verse. And you share that publicly. And God kept bringing this verse to me, and I kept refusing it because this is not my life verse, God. And I just, I couldn't accept it and receive it for myself. And he just kept confirming it and bringing it to me and through other people. And so I finally just had to humble myself and say, okay, God, I guess this is this is the verse you've given me to be my life verse and my life calling. Now, I have to tell you, This was before GPS Hope ever existed. It was not a thought in my head. I was still doing international children's ministry. Now, Becca had died. I think we were maybe three years after Becca died or so, but there was nothing of GPS Hope was even remotely, even a thought in my head. And so it really amazes me that God has given me this verse that this is my calling in life, that he put this on me before we ever did anything with ministry to bereaved parents. And I'm going to close by reading this verse. It's Isaiah 61, 1 through 3. The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the suffering and afflicted. He has sent me 
to comfort the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to those in captivity and open the prison doors for those who are bound in darkness. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of God's favor has come and with it the day of God's anger and vengeance against their enemies. He has sent me to proclaim to those who mourn that he will give a crown of beauty for their ashes. He will give the oil of joy and gladness instead of mourning, and he will give a garment or a mantle of praise instead of a spirit of heaviness. So hold on, pain eases, there is hope for you.